Hi, this is Dr. Mercola, and welcome to our Take Control of Your Health podcast, in which we bring you the latest cutting-edge interviews to help you achieve optimal health. This next interview is part of my Best of series, which features some of the most popular interviews with leading health experts. So thank you for listening. Now let's get started with this week's program to help you and your family take control of your health. Hi, this is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And today we're joined by Dr. Eric Goodman, who is the founder of Foundation Training, which has evolved over the years, and I previously interviewed him, but he's on today to tell us about his new book, uh, and we're in the the deep which is true to form, and we're going to go into many details. So, welcome, and thank you for joining us, Eric. Thank you so much for having me again, Dr. McCullough. I really appreciate it. Okay, so many people may not be familiar with your work, so perhaps uh, you're trained as a chiropractor, but really don't see patients in that model, you're really pretty much committed your whole life to this type of intervention. And, and some, that's great because, you know, my perspective is that it's, it's wonderful to have an intervention like chiropractic as a tool and a resource, but ultimately what's going to make or break us is what we're doing all day long. So we need yes. these tools and resources to contribute to our health and then it will minimize the need for things like chiropractic or other mm-hmm. types of uh, adjustments or manipulations. So why don't you tell us your uh, pr- progression of that because it's quite interesting. You know, it was motivated by personal personal pain, <laughs> as sure. many many interventions are. Well, it, it, yeah, it, it was. It's been a very interesting road. I mean, it's been a wild ride actually. Introducing an idea that first made a lot of sense to me and then sort of continued to help me and continues to help me. And that idea is very simple. Our body is made to sort of help itself as long as we can get the muscles to align properly, our breathing patterns to align properly, our pelvic structure to be more stabilized, our posture to involuntarily become stronger. And my education is in chiropractic. I'm licensed in Colorado and California, but I only really see patients if they need an adjustment for some reason that they can't do the poses. They can't use this more active relief, this more active care. And that's what I've been obsessed about for the past 10 years, is the development of a program that is not a cure-all by any stretch of the word, but it's a cure-all lot, and it's a help-all lot. And I've seen a lot of different types of people strengthen their spine accordingly, integrate the muscles of their posterior chain, remind their diaphragm the way that it's meant to work when they breathe over and over again, so that in the future, they don't have to think about it very much. Their involuntary process of posture is just more powerful and more balanced as a result of the foundation training type work, the exercises, the body weight exercises that support those muscle chains. And that's foundation training. That's terrific. And obviously, if you as you look at yourself, uh, it's pretty clear that you uh, are have trained as an athlete and you know are committed to keeping in shape yourself. I so, try. well, I think you are doing a lot more than trying, you're actually doing it and succeeding. <laughs> so I think, wait, what was your sport, water polo? Water polo was the biggie. I played ice hockey for a long time when I was young, though. I stopped playing ice hockey around 18 until I was in graduate school again, and then I actually played for my chiropractic school in St. Louis for a little while. But water polo was the biggie. Water polo was the sport that really made me connect with my body and train hard and train to where I broke myself down pretty hard, and I was in the gym a lot as well. And the weightlifting that I did was not necessarily the best for me. So I'd say while I am an athlete and I love being an athlete, I was never able to quite 
perform as well as I could without hurting myself until very recently, probably the last five years. And then you actually, while you were in chiropractic school, developed really quite severe low back pain that yeah, the professionals that uh, you saw actually suggested surgery and mm -hmm. you wisely rejected that uh, consideration and uh, started exploring it yourself. It's interesting because chiropractic has been around for 100 years and that's one of the primary, uh, I guess, problems that they address is of low course. back pain. Well, it was active versus passive in my case, plain and simple. My passive care was good. I was getting chiropractic care. I was being stretched. I was being massaged and worked on, but I wasn't strengthening my spine myself. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference that I made. And, and I don't think that it will ever negate chiropractic because I love chiropractic. I love the ability and capacity to align the body, align the nervous system, and create a, a very good environment for different processes to occur. But we strengthen that environment. Mm -hmm. We do the job, or we try to do the job of keeping the alignment in place. If you're going to go get your neck adjusted, I want your neck to stay long and strong afterwards because that's what's going to stop you from having to get that same adjustment again a week later. Maybe you'll have to get it a month later, maybe a couple times a year, but the work you do is what's going to benefit you more than anything else that you could have done to you. Yes, and uh, so you've developed a system over the last 10 years and you have large numbers of people doing it. You've uh, actually, I have training materials, your book, True to Form, and your previous book, uh, and you have run courses, but you have actually a number of a other athletes who are using your system regularly. And I could think of uh, Ben Greenfield, yeah. who's, who's recently adopted your regimen into his uh, daily routine. Yeah, Ben was very nice in, in writing a nice article about it and talking about how he's really changed his morning routine based on this, and that's what people tend to do. Mm -hmm. They tend to absorb it, learn it and then simply make it a part of their life. And we have had a tremendous amount of people doing that. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned earlier, uh, low back pain is a real common problem. So would that be one of the more common uh, problems that people who seek to integrate foundation training through their lives seek to resolve? That's definitely the biggest one. Uh, without question, lower back pain. I mean, it's the most prevalent or injury that we really have in our, in our modern era. And I'd say seven out of ten people that come to foundation training probably come with a low back pain, low back pain complaint. Two out of ten are for performance. They want to get stronger, more balanced, more coordinated in their sport. And then the other one out of ten is for knee pain, neck pain, jaw pain, plantar fasciitis, carpal tunnel, just a slew of other chronic pain type scenarios. Back pain is the biggie. Yeah. So, you know, we've done previous videos, so that's clearly one way that someone is interested in this form of uh, this approach can sort of put their toes in the water where you actually were at our office and we did some demonstrations but perhaps you can provide an outline or summary of people who are interested in this approach to how they might uh, go about exploring it and integrating yeah. it into their daily uh, routine. Well, yeah, I mean I've, I've quite literally been working more or less every day of my life to give options to people based in this one idea, which is, is foundation training. And those options start on YouTube and on my website with three videos. The website is foundationtraining.com, the YouTube is foundation training. Those three videos take you into some very basic poses that are powerful. And I promise there's probably more people using our free videos to get well than are using our DVDs and books and things to get well. And awesome. That's why we have free videos. I, I love that idea. Mm -hmm. 
So go there first. Try prone decompression. Try the 11-minute video that has like a million and a half hits and just read the comment stream if you're having a bad day. It's crazy the positive things people will say when they're out of pain. Mm -hmm. We have the new book, which I'm really proud of. It took me four years to write it. I rewrote it three different times, uh, True to Form, which is our illustrative process of bringing foundation training into your everyday activities, brushing your teeth, waking up from bed, reaching into the refrigerator, whatever. How to apply very simple movement patterns that make you stronger while you do that. And then if you want to get really into it, we have DVDs and we have a new streaming website that is going to be a login-based website where you can access all of our videos, all kinds of stuff, including like 50 new workouts that nobody's ever seen that will be available, certainly by the time this interview airs. Sure. And so that's all on foundationtraining.com. And then if you're really into it, if you're like, you know what? I feel like there's more to learn. I feel like this is really going to change my perspective on health. Some of you will feel that way. Come through a workshop or a certification. If you come through a workshop and you decide you want to go to a certification, we take the amount of money you paid on the workshop, 100% of it, off the cost of the cert. I want people to get educated. I want people to feel like our goal as a business is to support our idea, not to mm -hmm. support ourselves entirely. You know, we're, we're trying to do the right thing here and educate people with information that is it's really necessary. You've got to know how to support yourself the right way. Great. So as I mentioned in the introduction, moving throughout the day is really one of the key strategies to stay healthy because you can work out an hour a day every day mm -hmm. and be miserable with chronic pain and inflexibility yeah. and such. So the, the, the that's the challenge. So And, and, and actually, I, I had back pain for 10, 15 years or so, and, and my application of the foundation training may have been flawed, but it didn't seem to resolve it, and it only it only disappeared once I stopped sitting, yeah. you know, which was huge. Uh, so I've so I've switched to a standing desk, and standing excessive standing can be a problem too. But essentially, it's a lot better option than sitting. And then I walk about two hours a day. So I would, of course read your book on the beach walking, and uh, and it was dramatic because you know there I have an opportunity to see so many people because I'm not the only one walking. There's lots of others, and you can see most of them. Their form is just horrendous. They're hunched over, you know, they look like a turtle, mm -hmm. and uh, that's pretty much more the the standard, rather, not the, they're not the, it's not the exception. The exception is someone with good posture. It is. So, so I think your book offered a lot of helpful things, and I can remember probably the highlight of your book, from my perspective, and it, sometimes they're just so simple, basic phrases: is chin up, chin back, chest out. Yes. <laughs> oh, and, and then you know, it's such an easy phrase to to remind yourself throughout the day to do that. But by, yeah. Yeah, it, and it's not up. Yeah, it's straight back. So it's like mm -hmm. on a 45 degree angle. Thank you for uh, demonstrating that. And well, I, I also I gave you guys a, a little anatomy image that shows the skull and the, the primary muscle that I'm trying to activate there, which is the sternocleidomastoid, mm -hmm. putting it to its most effective length so that it actually gets to a bigger, broader, more expansive contraction as it supports the lift of the chest and the, what's called retraction of the chin. Yeah, and that is not a natural position. Typically, I mean, well, it is natural, but but due to our lifestyles, most of yes. our unhealthy lifestyles, we decompensate from that and don't assume that posture naturally. So we have to make active intention to to get back there. Mm -hmm. So you, you do. You have to pay attention first. There's a learning curve with all of this work. I can't do anything about that. I wish I could, but. 
it's such a valuable learning curve to go through for a week or two. You know, you, you learn some really important stuff. But the basis of that learning curve is that at first, it's very weird to think about the way you're holding yourself. But you do these exercises and you strengthen the breathing pattern that is expansive and you strengthen the anchoring muscles that actually provide a downward pull at the pelvis so that there's something to expand up from for the torso. And as you do this and you strengthen your hip hinge pattern and all these different things, you start to notice that you're not thinking about how long your neck is or you're not thinking about chin back, chest up, which is a cue that I will give anybody to exhaustion because it tends to work. Mm -hmm. And the more that I give that cue, the less you're going to think about it in your daily life. And if I do my job the right way, whether you're watching my free videos or you're coming through my certification and we're going to be on it with you, you're going to learn without thinking about it how strong your body can be. And posture is a very beautiful thing, except when it's messed up. Which the human is. Yeah, it is. It is. We, we, we naturally adapt towards our chosen method of absorbing gravity. And for a lot of people, this, this voluminous tool of absorption, which is all it really is, our muscles absorb force, that's what they do. Whether they're contracting or expanding, they are absorbing or providing force. If we can take the opportunity of gravity, this ever-present weight of our own body that we feel, and simply provide 5% more energy in absorbing it, 5% more conscious effort, throughout the day, it's going to change your life forever. Yeah. It's going to have people reacting to you differently. It's going to have you reacting to things like anxiety and breathing stuff differently. You're going to feel the difference of a closed airway and an open airway. You're going to feel the tightness of your jaw from the head traveling forward, contracting the back of your neck when you're in the bad posture, the non-aesthetically pleasing postures. But when you stand up, stand strong, my, my buddy Tim Brown says stand tall. It's literally the phrase I ended true to form with, with full credit to Tim. Mm -hmm. When you stand tall, man, the muscles just work and they learn how to do it and you start interacting with people like a confident human being interacts with them. Some people have it naturally. Some people can fake confidence. Some people can fake posture. But when you're caught off guard and your reaction is to stand up tall instead of shrink down and different things like that, that comes to the training you've done for your muscle chains. That comes to the training you've done for your breathing patterns and basically for your posture. And that's, that's when it becomes involuntary. And that's the, that's the beauty of it is when your posture is just strong. And how long does that process take? Because most people watching this probably don't have good posture. And yeah. we're taught incorrect things to do to correct it, like shoulders back, mm -hmm. which will actually make your posture work from what I worse from what I understand. So that's not – it's in some ways. It's a compartmentalized correction at the place that's not causing the problem. Right. If that makes sense. You know, the, the places that cause the problems in posture are the, the upper and lower ends of the spine. More, more than anything else. They need to be pulling away from each other, not towards each other. It's just that simple. The back of your head, the top of your head needs to be pulling away from your tailbone. Not forward, not back, just straight up, like it's meeting the opportunity of gravity head on. You know, that's, that's what that should do for you. When you start making those changes, when you start seeing your spine as a, a series of bones stacked on top of each other that have the opportunity to literally be pulled away from each other, not up and down like manual traction and decompression, but with the coupled motion of the rib cage during expansion breathing. When you lift and expand the rib cage, guess what? 
those ribs pulling away from the center of the spine create movement in the spine. They create movement in these channels of cerebrospinal fluid, the great stuff that gets to your brain and makes you think right. These things come down to posture, and it comes down to the difference of this and this versus this. Mm -hmm. Just standing upright instead of folding into one of your extension or flexion points. Now, the first one you demonstrated is actually much more common. The second yeah, one the is typically, tip the extension one, hyperextension is typically more in, in hypermobile individuals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, gymnasts, dancers, yeah. figure skaters, yogis. Yeah. Mostly, yogis mostly, mostly, all, mostly all women. <laughs> but <laughs> Not people all. that do yoga well and people that do those things well, I have a friend named Michelle Edwards who has something called Yoga Line. It's phenomenal yoga. She teaches alignment and expansion and decompression of the axial skeleton. Really good hip alignment. I mean, there's some methods of yoga that are just so spot on. So how long would it take the average person who suffers from one of these typically flexion problems to transition to a natural posture when, you, when they adopt this program? Foundation. It's going to be a matter of weeks to months. Okay. You know, it'll be a matter. Some people, it'll be a year. But the whole process, they're going to be feeling better along the way. They're going to notice incremental changes the whole time. They're going to see that their body is supporting itself better steadily. They're thinking about it less. They're feeling less pain. They're feeling better posture. That's when the really change. That's when the real changes start to happen. But there's no set timeline. It's ten minutes a day or so, five minutes a day. Just do something. Yeah, and then they can they can implement this program just by going to your site, foundationtraining.com, or their YouTube channel, and and watch yeah. these things because typically, viewing uh, the activity is going to be a better teaching tool than actually reading about it. Yeah, always. You want to see yeah. somebody moving through the motions. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. so that gets in your brain a little better. But uh, you know, I'm really grateful for your work because it really helped me transition my posture as I was walking because that's a big part of my day now. That's where I get most of my reading done. Good. You know, I, read, I read 150 books last year while walking. <laughs> And that, that now it's not as many books because I'm reading more papers. You know, so from many studies. books. <laughs> yeah, it's great, and I yeah, love yeah. it. You know, getting healthier, you know, mentally and physically healthier. Healthy yeah, and movement is one thing, but you're also getting sunshine, and not just for the the intention of increasing your vitamin D levels. I think that may be one of the minor components of why yeah. exposing yourself to sunlight it's is helpful. I mean, it's an important it's motion. One. Yeah, it's getting out there walking. But also light into your skin and through your eyes, you know, not obstructed by sunglasses or even regular glasses or contacts if possible. So Whoever put them there, however they got there, I believe most of the things in the universe are here for a reason and it's our job to use them, utilize them, get out on our planet, get out on the earth, feel the sand, feel the water, look at the sun, enjoy the air, enjoy the wind, enjoy the rain. That yeah. stuff's all put here for a reason, whatever that reason might be. Walking is important. I do about two hours every day, sometimes three, sometimes an hour, but typically about two hours. And th that's a really, one of my most important health routines. But um, it's so crucial to make sure you're walking the right way mm -hmm. because you could actually be making yourself worse doing that. There's certainly going to be benefits even if you're walking the wrong way, but why not optimize the whole process? So I would love to hear your inputs and some simple things that we can or points that we can attend to to apply because there's there it really I mean, walking seems simple I mean, pretty much anyone can do it unless you're injured but it's a pretty complex activity to do optimally the first thing yeah 
there is a plague of plantar flexion in walking as a result. And, and I'm going to explain plantar flexion real soon. We walk in sneakers or high heels or something almost all the time. And most of those things have a heel that is at least a half inch to an inch to a couple inches higher than the toes. Mm-hmm. And what that does on a, from an arch standpoint, yeah, it makes our arch a little tighter, whatever. doesn't matter. It completely alters the mechanism of our hip range of motion, though. Completely alters it. So one of the first things that I recommend people do is if you can walk barefoot, walk barefoot. If you can't, find one of those zero drop shoes. They make a zillion types of them. Slowly, steadily get your body better at walking closer to barefoot. Now the rationale behind that is that plantar flexion, which is the shortening of the muscles on the back of the ankle and calf and the lengthening of the muscles on the front of the ankle and calf on the shin, that angle is going to completely change the way that the back of your body absorbs force. When you dorsiflex your ankles, meaning you're lifting the top of your foot towards your shin, everybody do that real fast. Lift the top of your foot towards your shin. Mm -hmm. That is a tremendously important piece of walking. When you're walking with plantar flexion, you very rarely dorsiflex, contracting, shortening the muscles of the shin. So that's step one, is making sure that there is good, dorsiflexion in every step. Literally lift the top toes away from the ground. Lift the balls of the feet away from the ground and try to spread your feet a little bit. What that will do is it's going to allow the hips to follow a much more natural range of motion. As the feet dorsiflex, it triggers these muscles up the inside and outside of the legs. And those muscles have internal rotation capacity and external rotation capacity, both of which are very important for walking. External rotation is the foot coming forward, almost like it's reaching forward to try to scoop, and it just has this little outer angle and then inner angle. Mm -hmm. That inner angle, that little from outside to inside, is probably the piece of walking that is missing in most people. The ability of the adductors, the medial hamstring, the muscles of the inner part of the thigh, the inner upper thigh, to contract during a walk to spin that hip a little bit more neutral towards straight ahead, or even in some people, it might be necessary to kind of go a little bit pigeon-toed a little bit, but not at the toes, at the hips. The hips go inward, not just the feet. So long story short, range of motion of the hips is so significant to walking. Mm -hmm. That range of motion is limited most frequently in people at the feet with plantar flexion, excessive plantar flexion, or excessive external rotation. The other piece of that puzzle is here. Mm-hmm. When the head has fallen too far forward, you're, literally, you're smelling your way forward. You know That's not a very natural human posture. What's more natural is to allow the chest to lift, the shoulders to lift, and the chin to retract. Think chin back, chest up. Mm-hmm. At first, it will look and probably feel a little bit awkward, but you'll notice that it's a significantly more muscular way to walk. If you simply focus on chin back, chest up, shoulders big, broad, not back and down, out. You focus on that, you're going to be walking very different. You're going to experience this really rhythmic counterbalance in your walk. When the right foot comes forward, the shoulder comes forward on the opposite side. And there's just this nice little muscular glutes, hamstrings, calves, adductors across the body to the opposite shoulder and pec and lat. So many muscles involved. And then the SCMs that are very, very important as well to keep that chin back, chest up function happening. 
Walking is such a complex thing. It is, if I had to give people the healthiest thing you could do, if you could only pick one activity for the rest of your life, and you have to pick one, and that's it, I'd say live in a place with hills and walk. Yes. Uphill, downhill, sidestep. You can do all kinds of different walks. You ever see Monty Python's uh, oh, Ministry sure. of Silly Walks? You do all kinds of walks. <laughs> it's that you do them tall and you do them strong, and you use that walk, whether it's for 10 minutes or for two hours, you use it as a time to check in with your body. Walking meditation happens so easily, whether you're reading a book and just getting lost in the book, not thinking about the day, or getting lost in your body, thinking about your breathing, thinking about your posture, thinking about the different muscles that are supporting you. And while they are pulling you forward, they're also lifting you up. And the better you get at that, your health really does seem to thrive with a good hour or two of walking a day if you do it well. So are, are you suggesting that plantar flexion is limited in most people and they need to improve the flexibility? Dorsiflexion. Well, dorsiflexion is limited. Yeah. They're both, actually, I would actually argue they're both limited. Plantar flexion is a little too short, a little too tight mm -hmm. on the back of the leg and on the arch. It's like, if this is neutral, plantar flexion is a little too tight this way. Mm -hmm. And that stretch on the top limits the ability of this muscle to contract fully into dorsiflexion. Okay. So this is my ankle. This is my shin. Plantar flexion, we're all a little too far here. Most of us are a little too far here especially high heels and things like that, and then they're bad for it, especially runners that wear sneakers constantly. They're not zero drop, they might be hurting you a little bit. We want to find neutral, because from neutral we can plant our flex and dorsiflex. That's where we want to be. Okay. Most people are very limited in their capacity to, dor to dorsiflex. So do you recommend some stretching or strengthening exercises to improve that? The recipe of foundation training, as we have developed it to this point, and I say we because it, it ain't me anymore. I got a brilliant team of people that has helped me teach this for many years now. That crew and myself have created this anchoring process and this isometric, eccentric loading of a very big human movement, the hip hinge. Mm -hmm. We've included in that anchoring process two remedies, internal rotation called the anchoring chain of arches all the way up the inner groin, up to the pubic symphysis, the center of the body. I gave you another anatomy image that shows the thigh with this angling up to the pubic symphysis that's in the form. Those anchoring muscles are so important. So we train them. The other remedy is eccentrically loading the posterior chain. And this statement might be above a couple people's head, but I want you to know that it's easy to figure out and every one of you can feel it right away. When you hip hinge properly and you keep your feet planted firmly on the floor and your chin pulled back and your spine long, you are effectively dorsiflexing your ankles. You are eccentrically loading the shin muscles, the tibialis anterior. We keep the weight back on the heels in all of our standing exercises and that again creates this eccentric tightening and contraction of that shin muscle, the tibialis anterior. And over time, from reminding it, from making it stronger and stronger and stronger, it begins to participate more frequently with the rest of the body. That's that's when more of that magic happens. Terrific. Now, one of the uh, processes I've noticed is that when you ideally you want to tilt your pelvis forward or anteriorly tilt it for good posture, and it, at least that's what I understand. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> uh, it's it's true for some people. 
Some people okay. do need to go into an anterior pelvic rotation, and some people, in order to keep themselves strong, actually need to go the other way and posterior. Until and it it has a way. lot. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hyper, hypermobile people would be had to be more posterior. A lot of hypermobile people, a lot of power athletes, a lot of power athletes have this sway back okay. that is very muscularly supported. Don't get me wrong, but what you're going to see in it is that a couple of the curves of the spine have been straightened out to get there, particularly the thoracic spine, and that's where we make the changes at the pelvis. We don't make the changes at the pelvis. We make the changes by re-educating the axial skeleton to lift and pull away from the pelvis so that the base muscles, the ones below the pelvis, have something pulling against them, and that's how they stay strong. And what happens, it's really cool, is this pelvis that's supposed to either be rocking back or rocking forward, it's not rocking. It's being pulled from top and bottom into a more neutral position. For some people, more neutral is a little bit more anterior. For other people, it's a little bit more posterior. Wouldn't it be the majority of people who need to go more anterior? Yes, absolutely. The vast majority. Yeah, the vast majority. So I notice that when I externally rotate my hips or my upper legs going outside, mm -hmm. that the tendency is for my chest to come up, my chin to go back, and my pelvis to go anterior. Mm -hmm. It seems to do everything right. But you have to ramp. So it's perfect. You have just eccentrically loaded the anchoring muscles. You turn your feet away from center, correct? Well, I plant my feet, but just rotate the hips. Okay. So that's like, yeah, that's like, what you're doing is a weightlifting style stance, right. which is great. Keep doing that. Yeah. It's a little different than what I teach, and they are both effective. What I'm going to teach is that same isometric twist mm -hmm. the other way, from the same position, too. Well, that's what I'm trying to understand because it seems to me that if most people need the anterior tilt of the pelvis, when you externally rotate, it seems to work, but yes. when you internally rotate, you go the other way, getting posterior tilt. You're using your abs a little bit too much to internally rotate if you're doing that. You're using a little okay. too much stomach right. contraction. Okay. But, let me, but we, we, can, we can make this really simple, really simple. Okay. If you're external rotators, the butt muscles, the glutes, the piriformis muscles, some of the biggies, if those are too tight, which they I are in most know. people. Yeah, yeah, they are. Almost everyone watching us has tight, tight, those muscles are tight. Yes, yeah, we sit on our butt all day, and those get, and they get tight. And we, we, yeah, anyways. So if you have shortened, tightened external rotators pulling away from center, making your feet turn out, mm -hmm. you don't want to then strengthen those muscles in that position because they're too short. You're asking a shortened muscle to get shorter. It has a very limited range of motion. Okay. Instead, we want to eccentrically load those muscles, twisting them in. By twisting the hips in, and again, it's not the feet twisting in. It's that isometric contraction you're talking about where the leg really wraps itself inward to support you. Just like when you're standing firm on the ground and you outward rotate, it's a big muscular movement from the hips. When you do this internal rotation, this anchor and posture, making the outside lines of your feet parallel, what you're going to find is that you are eccentrically loading the external rotators. You're making the glute muscle force itself into more length. You're making the piriformis muscle force itself into more length. Yeah, it, it's, it's somewhat counterintuitive. I'm okay with that. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. it is. It is quite literally. It, it's, it's actually it's, it's counterinformative as well. Yeah. It's informing the muscles that in order to get stronger, they have to get longer first. 
Mm -hmm. It's creating a more sustainable isometric contraction at the base of the pubic symphysis, those adductor muscles that insert right in there. The squeezer ins, you know, they squeeze in, they keep you tight at the base of the pelvis. Those are getting more endurance as a result and battling against the external rotators more efficiently. That's where balance starts to really come in, when those two chains are strong. And are there, which specific uh, aspects of the foundation training tend to focus on that? Would that be the founder? All of them. All Every of them. single one is anchoring and decompression. Every exercise at this point is anchoring and decompression. Okay. That's great because that's that's such an important component and uh, yeah if you get that down then you're see the goal here is really to have a hundred years or more where you are able to move freely all day long not have any restriction or pain the yeah. way you were designed to you, your body's supposed to last a hundred years it's just supposed to wear out before <laughs> that it, it but it frequently does because we are engaging in activities which are not really aligned to our ideal posture. So, Mo yeah, modern society tends to put us in the position very readily to break down quickly and to yeah. sort of almost suffocate our tissue of vital oxygen and nerve flow and, and circulation. And, and our muscles are sort of stopped from going long to short. They just kind of find a pose and hold it. And it's usually very passive. Yeah. It's not an ideal situation to, to have longevity. Yeah, so it is really a crucial goal. It should be a crucial goal of everyone, I believe, because we live in this type of society that, that imposes these unnatural positions to, to do this now, to do it early, because it's never too late. And you early can intervention. guarantee, guarantee that if you don't do some type of active approach, you are going to be miserable when you get older. You're going to be restricted. You're going to be, have, lose your flexibility, your strength, and you're going to be impaired. You, you'll be frail. The last thing you want to do when you get old is frail. That means that is, that is just something you want to avoid at all costs. So yeah. foundation training is you know, a rational, reasonable, simple, inexpensive approach to do that. But it, even if you don't do foundation, you've got to do something unless you want to be miserable at some point in the future, and that's almost a guarantee. I don't say this often, but I could not have said that any better myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just the truth. I mean, it's 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 a reality that if you live long, especially if you you've been focused on exercises I have for over almost 50 years and really seeking to do that, but not understanding the bigger picture, mm -hmm. to understand that mobility and posture and and movement is is really more far more important than, than cardiovascular benefits. So because you, you yeah. need to be able to move through life. That is what you're designed to do. And it, if you're yes. not doing it, you're limiting every if you're not doing it correctly, you're limiting every system, including the cardiovascular system, including the respiratory system, including the the the, the integumentary system, you know, the skin. All of yeah. that is holding on not as well as it could. Yeah. It's just like eating well. It changes your chemistry. It changes your physiology. Moving well changes your physiology over time. Yes, it does. There's no question. And I, ideally, if you can walk barefoot, I just did a calculation a few days ago, and I think I, I think I'm probably about 97, 98 percent of the time I'm barefoot. That's actually really uh, good. <laughs> yeah, so it's I really hardly good. ever wear shoes. Yeah. If I have to fly, you know, as soon as I get on a plane, my shoes come off. You know. Uh, in a car, I'm not in a car hardly at all. I think I draw, I 
probably travel less than 2,000 miles a year. So, <sighs> so envious of that. Yeah, so you know that's not an issue. I'm taking but, steps to change that though. Yeah, that's yeah. you know being in a car is not one of my favorite activities. So, uh, but but the, another benefit of this chin back, chest out is that you're going to look physically better. You won't look like a weakling. I mean, you'll, you'll and you'll have this appearance at least of being more confident. And you know, just from a cosmetic aesthetic perspective, it's crazy not to do it. I mean, why it's not going to make you uglier. Definitely won't make you uglier. Now, you know, one of the things that you see very commonly in people as they age is it's what's called a dowager's hump. And in med school, at least as far as I can remember, and maybe I was confused, but it was uh, it was believed that they were ascribing that to just, just the sort of inevitable development of osteoporosis as you age. How crazy but is it, that? Yeah, but that's what they were teaching, and yeah. I think it's just it's clearly an art, more of an artifact of improper posture. And and I mean, would you, what was your what's your take on it? Things like osteoporosis, things like osteomalacia, osteoporosis, the the, the changes in bone metabolism. I would say, unless the person has some kind of congenital nutrition deficiency, they can't produce vitamin D very well, they can't metabolize it very well, they can't, you know, produce like osteoblasts and things like that. It's probably because they're bearing their weight on their joints. So they probably have a lot of thickened calcium at the ends of their joints, which negates the need for thickened calcium at the middle of their joints. Mm -hmm. The long bones, you know, the joints are connecting bones, and the middle of those bones, we need a lot of strength too. And I think a lot of people, by resting in these sort of passive, complacent postures, they tend to put all of the stress on the joint stack. And stacking sure. joints puts a lot of force at the end of bones. We have a muscular system surrounding our body that can be considered to be broken up in chains, but ultimately, is one web that is based in one goal, which is lifting us, propelling us, and supporting us. Mm -hmm. You can compartmentalize injuries, you can compartmentalize ailments and muscles and bones, and even things like osteoporosis can be compartmentalized into an area that has more or less, but ultimately, it is very little more than an incongruency of what we're doing mm -hmm. versus what we should be doing. Yeah, that makes sense. And that that really wasn't the intention of my question, but it's a good tangent. I do want to get back to the original question, though. But it seems, and it makes perfect sense, you know, where con traditional thought is that you want to do some type of strength training to build these, establish these muscular forces to build bone density. But it is a sort of piezoelectric effect. But if you're, but that you know, strength training exercise is going to be an hour, maybe three, four times a week, yeah. five times. You know, what you're, it's more effect. What's going to be more effective is what you're doing all day long, you're generating Absolutely. these electrical forces and contractions, so that you're going. To, if you have the right posture, it's going to be actually preventing osteoporosis. And I hadn't thought of it from that perspective, but what I was originally referring to was the dowager's hump that people slumped over. Seems the dowager's hump. I didn't understand that earlier. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So is that that's more. It seems to be more or less related to chronic improper posturing that just worsens over time and actually develops these rigid, intractable calcifications. Yes, I think you're right. I think that lack of movement and stagnation in bone leads to calcification and typical degenerative changes. Degenerative changes along the spine make it less mobile, not more mobile. It, it supports it because the muscles aren't. 
the disks aren't. So it puts very rigid support structures in place. Now, can you imagine 20, 50 years from now, when it's 60 to 70 years after cell phones and iPads come around, the dowagers' humps, they're going to start calling them the iPod hump, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the iPad hump, but the, the humps and the iPhone humps that are going to come into these kids, and not just kids, parents. I mean, they're, they're, this is not a generational bias of any kind. Everybody uses them from, from very young to very old. And the longer we're here, the more likely we're here, we're that, that the more likely we're going to stay there later in life. Mm-hmm. The younger you are, the more capacity you have to be plastic, to, be, to, to, to engage your body's natural tendency to respond to stimulus in such a fashion that it will get better and better and better at doing the thing you're asking it to do. So if you're often asking it to look down at your phone, please often ask it to lift your chest up and to pull your chin back and to stand very firm on the ground. But you can still look at your phone in a healthy posture. Just look, yeah, just lift your phone up. Yeah, and keep your chin and chin back yeah. and chest up. You know, and allow just... allow the correct curves of the spine to do their job. Right. The neck curve can do this, but it's a curve that goes back and is actually much more primed to look up. The thoracic spine, however, the rib cage, the back, you know, the stegos- the stegosaurus hump that we have, mm-hmm. that can flex very, very readily. Mm-hmm. But I want you to notice my neck. How much is my neck moving while I do this? Very little. Yeah. It's coming from my mid-thoracic spine, a place that most people are starting to actually lose mm-hmm. flexion. Yeah. yeah, that's the other common problem. And actually, the sort of the beginning of the progression of the Dowager sump is that loss of thoracic extension. And if there's one piece of value to foundation training that I think will linger for a long, long time, because there's a lot of ways to integrate the posterior chain. There's a lot of ways to strengthen your spine and to strengthen your hips, a lot of ways. But our decompression breathing protocol, Mm -hmm. the ability to literally re-educate the muscles that surround your axial skeleton, the spine and the rib cage, to re-educate those muscles towards expansion instead of contraction is something that is always going to set our work aside from everything else and not better, not worse, different. It's an accessor. The better you get at things like decompression breathing, which can be taken and applied to any movement, any exercise, any activity. The only unique thing about it is our specific protocol of learning how to engage the diaphragm more appropriately by drastically (laughs) strengthening the muscles that surround the rib cage. Mm That in and of itself will do more for your spine, more for your text neck, more for your dowager's hump, more for anything that has not fully calcified in your spine than anything else I can possibly teach you. Yeah. There might be people that can teach you better, but I can't. So assuming you haven't developed this forward flexion dowager's hump, uh, because once you have that, it's unless you're going to do some type of surgical intervention, I'm certainly not recommending that. It's just not going to reverse, as far as we know, at this state of uh, state of the art. So, but w- is it your position that application of these throughout life, if it, prior to that development of that, that virtually no one needs to develop that? I think that, with with the exception of things like ankylosing spondylitis and sure, you know, dish that have again, because some people, I don't want to make a, I, I. I Sometimes I, I will almost inadvertently and accidentally make almost like a grandiose statement, and I don't want to do that because 
no matter what I'm saying, it's wrong if I say all or nothing. Yeah. But a lot of people can get a lot better if their spine hasn't calcified yet. Mm-hmm. At any age, mm-hmm. the younger you are, the more room you have. If you practice this type of work, if you practice good posture using yoga, using foundation training, using Pilates, using the bar method, using something that makes you focus on your body, not just lift weights, not just external artificial resistance, but how to support your frame, you're so far ahead of the game in that. You're so far ahead of the game. And I don't know if we can do away with doubt. I don't know what leads to that. I don't. That, that's depression, man. That's anxiety. That's so many things that take us to this place. Right, right. You know? And I don't think physical remedy is very important, though, and prevention is, I, is I think in my view, it may be able to prevent most of it, at least. I think yeah, that I, would be a fair I would certainly agree with that statement. A, yeah. fair, a fair statement. So, you know, as I am in my last half of my life, at least most likely, you know, this has become an increasingly important focus of, me, of mine to really uh, integrate these types of approaches into my exercise program. It really is. I mean, it be, I basically stopped cardiovascular training for the most part, except for occasional peak fitness, but focus on these things. And how are you feeling? I feel great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How's your energy? Energy. Well, it's it's not just the exercise I'm doing because I've also had a. We haven't talked for a while, but I'm doing I've had a radical shift in my approach on nutritional. I want to hear about that. With the uh, focusing on burning fat for fuel. So that's a it's a simple term, but it's like massively important. I really think it's the core of almost the treatment of almost all diseases to really have your body well adapted the way it was designed to. Not that carbs are evil. And if you're in good shape, you could still have cars, but to get there, Sometimes you need them. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's have you ever? I have one story that I tell people about the Ernest. Sha- or I'm sorry about the fat burning thing. And this is like my go-to. This is all the evidence I need of what we're supposed to eat. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Ernest Shackleton? Oh yes, he was the, the Arctic explorer. explorer. Yes. Got yeah. stuck on the island for months right, and yeah. months and months with a lot of men. Right. Right. Yeah. None of those men died. Do you know what they ate? Uh, I think it was whale and seal blubber. So exactly. you know, St- Stephen Finney, who's probably one of the best experts uh, in this area, is uh, really tells great stories about that. And he yeah. he's actually been in nutritional ketosis for I think over a dozen years. I'd love to talk to him. I'd love to. He's, I'm, I want to talk more about that. I'm just. Yeah, he's an he's an MD PhD. He's been he's been this one of the longest. He's written a book with Jeff Olick, and he really is. Yeah, but that's my new focus. Is really. I want to hear more so about it, that so in response to the exercise intervention, it's hard to say because I'm integrating this. And sure. when your brain brain is running on ketones, it's a whole different animal. Aren't you <laughs> so, calm? Do you notice calmness? Yes, definitely. My tendency towards becoming yeah. angry and irritable <laughs> has diminished considerably, although it's still pre- present in certain circumstances. But you know, re- my response is generally throttle more. <laughs> it, yeah, I really believe that. It, I really believe that it just fuels us a little bit differently, and it gives us the the capacity to relax a little bit easier. Relaxation is something that's always difficult for me. I'm, I'm on. Yeah. I'm always on. Yeah. And. You can ask, you know, you know, Jen. You can ask Jen. You know, when I eat well, the difference in my temperament is remarkable. It's yes, just Jen, for, for those who don't know Jen, is she's your significant other? So. Yes, she's very significant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually she's writing a book. She's writing a book uh, on chapter eight: little bodies become big bodies in true to form. Okay. Jen is tackling a book with Harper Collins. She's writing it right now on the first year of life, on okay. developmental patterns and how to meet them for the first year of life. It's really her work is incredible. All right. really cool so 
is there going to be a little Dr. Eric Goodman along the way, or <laughs> one, of, one of these days? I'm not. Going to be crazy. I mean, he's going to yeah, he's going to come out angry and passionate too. I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you've done a lot of great work, Eric. Uh, I really congratulate you for doing that. Thanks, and the, the beautiful thing about this is that you've just really begun, for the most part. You, you've done a lot of good stuff, but it's you're at the beginning of your your educational career. So we look forward to future uh, innovations. And Thanks. but in the meantime, you know, you've done enough already that anyone watching this can significantly benefit from that. And you know, you've, we've already mentioned some of the previous approaches. And go to, to uh, foundationtraining.com. Go to the YouTube channel. The book. True to form. These are all great resources. You can look at previous interviews I've done with you. But the th issue is take action, do it, because take you know action. we all we all need this type of uh, intervention in our lives. And whether or not it's foundation training, that's fine. Do something. You've got that's to it. do something. You have no excuse. Well, I can't I can't say that because absolutes are rarely correct. But there, there's virtually no one watching this has an excuse not to do something. Even if you're in a wheel bound and you're paralyzed. You can, do this, in, you can do this breathing. You can do anything. If, yeah. if you have control of your – if you have control of the phrenic nerve and above, mm -hmm. you can at least breathe better. Yeah. So even if you're paralyzed from the neck down. Mm -hmm. And I have – a friend that is, and we do some of this work, and I, his name is Jared Lefevre. He's a very nice guy out in Oklahoma City who had a very tragic accident. And if there's one thing I do in my life, I really hope I get to see, I hope I get to spend some more time with that guy and really see what we can do based on breathing because he's just got, he's got such a cool spirit to work with. It's, it's, yeah. There's some people out there that are really extraordinary to work with a little bit. I wish I could Good. say that I've yeah. worked with him more. Usually treating the fringes, the ends of the uh, capacity of human humans have is really where we find many interesting uh, in innovations. So yeah. I, ho I hope you have a chance to work with him. So I, I want yeah, to thank I want to thank you and uh, encourage everyone to explore this uh, foundation training more because uh, there's a great chance that you'll get some magnificent benefit. And uh, if you're doubtful, I would read the read the comments on YouTube. People who've actually reviewed <laughs> it. You know, I mean, these are these are not planted testimonials. These are oh, honest, God, no. honest observations. So, no, we've had some tremendous testimonials recently, and I have ne I would never pay somebody for a testimonial. Everything that somebody says about our work is because they believe in it, yeah, including if they say something bad about it. They believe that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, of course, there's always the detractors, but uh, you know, but you're, your work is getting out there. More people are adopting it, and uh, so you know, when you have something that's useful and helpful, it, it will become more widely adopted and hopefully this this type of approach is even integrated into chiropractic training because it really needs to be. I know they teach a lot there Sorry but this is, yeah this is this is the core because it's not just what you do in the office it's what you do outside the office it's going to maintain those those interventions over the long term. Can I can I give you a real quick story about that? Sure. 30 seconds or so. There's this group of guys they they call themselves the adjusting ninjas which is a cute name and they're they're great guys they're all young chiropractors. Lance Von Stade, Brett Jones, Jordan Fairley, and a number of other ones. Adrian Biava, like lots of great guys. They're all in their early 30s. They're all these hungry, 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 hungry chiropractors. But what they're doing is they're teaching chiropractors to take better care of themselves. They're teaching longevity based on biomechanics while you're adjusting, while you're seeing patients. They're teaching the doctors to be healthier, and the result will always be healthier patients when you do that. I'm so proud of what those guys are doing. They're just they're yeah. great guys with an amazing message for chiropractors. That's what we need. Hopefully more 
there'll be yeah. more like them. Yeah. So again, thank you for what you're doing, and uh, we look forward to uh, your next uh, innovations. Thanks, man. I really appreciate everything you've done for me as well and for foundation training. It means the world. <laughs>